Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time for another journey, another week of Living Hope, the one show designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer. Sharing the real-life stories of those really affected by this deadly disease and how they deal with it on a daily basis. With a couple of survivors here today, we got we got lots of survivors in the house here. There's hope. Uh, we're going to find out how they've handled it through the years here. Roberta, who'd you bring with you? Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. I'll I, go by Tom. If you want. Hi, hi, Paul. I brought Tom Morzak with me today. Um, he's a ten-year survivor. Between the two of us, we have thirty years, which I think is awesome. It oh. is awesome. <laughs> now I'm part Polish. You got to take another whack at that name here. No, no, no. <laughs> Tom's going to pronounce this. Uh, you said it really quickly. And, uh, <laughs> That's because I was I was trying to rhyme it with how he told me to rhyme it. So without saying it, so go ahead. When Tom. I used to do radio, uh, when I was a reporter. My parents would listen to me and say, you got to stop. You can't pronounce your own name. But it's Morozek. Morozek. Okay, I did pronounce it wrong, so, and I've been practicing. So even the way you told me to do it still didn't work, quite work out, but that's okay. I'm famous for not knowing how to pronounce names. Tom is a husband, father, golfer, fisherman, sports fan, world traveler, advocate, and a 10-year pancreatic cancer survivor who was diagnosed on February 29th, 2012, a leap year. So when do you celebrate? You, obviously, you can't celebrate the 29th on every year. Do you celebrate the 28th, or do you, ce- do you look at the first March 1st? I usually mark it on February 28th. Yeah. Um, and quite frankly, I wouldn't remember the date, except it was February 29th. <laughs> and the uh, moment I got the phone call from the gastroenterologist who uh, did the uh, endoscopic biopsy, uh, I was driving on the Pasadena freeway, phone rings, hi, it's doctor, I don't even remember his name, are you sitting down? <laughs> to which I said, uh, yeah, but I'm in a car and I'm by myself. He goes, oh, I'll call you back later. And I go, well, you just told me. So I understand what's uh, going on. So it's February 29th is quite frankly the only reason that I remember it. Uh, you know. Arguably, the more important day was uh, March 8th, the day that I had the, uh, the Whipple procedure, which I had scheduled, actually, I had scheduled surgery prior to getting the official diagnosis because we knew that I had a mass on my pancreas, and we had known for a number of weeks, and finally someone had said, even if it's not cancer, that thing's probably going to have to come out, so you should see about getting the doctor. So I had the meeting with a surgeon over at Keck USC in the morning and I had the uh, endoscopy with the fine needle aspiration oh. that afternoon. It was quite a busy day and then the next week is when I found out. So Yeah, that's how mine was diagnosed as well as with the needle. That's really a fun thing to go through, right? How'd you even discover it? Did you have any symptoms or what happened? I woke up one morning with a stomach ache and that stomach ache got worse through the day. Get up the next morning, it seems a little bit better, but I got a stomach ache again, and it continued to get worse through the day. And that went on for several days, and I went, took myself to urgent care. And when you have a pain in the middle of your chest at the bottom of your sternum, they mm-hmm. oftentimes think that that's a heart problem. Right. So they're like, okay, we're gonna check your heart, that looks fine, so it's probably uh, a stomach problem. You have an ulcer or a acid reflux or something like that. They give you the, uh, the Prilosec or whatever and say, mm-hmm. follow up with your doctor. I went in to see my internist a couple days later and he ran a whole series of tests. 
called me up the next morning, and I'll never forget this. I was standing in front of my office, and the phone rings, and it's my doctor. He goes, hey, Tom, it's Barry. It's your pancreas. Stop eating, <laughs> which completely floored me because I had no idea what a pancreas was or what it did <laughs> or this or that. And it that sent me on a six-week uh, testing treadmill, as I like to call it, uh, you know, with a series of gastroenterologists, uh, ultrasounds, and, and this and that. So we eventually determined that the blood test that led my doctor to call me showed that my pancreatic enzymes were just off the charts. So, you know, series of tests culminating with the, uh, 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 the endoscopy, which eventually, you know, led, had, was the biopsy in which the official uh, 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 determination was made. But at, what it was, was I had a tumor at the head of the pancreas where the duct comes out of the pancreas that was essentially blocking everything that was coming out, both the bile and the pancreatic uh, enzymes that were being produced when I ate food were sitting there essentially causing pancreatitis. So as I ate during the day, more and more enzymes would be produced that was causing the pain. And then overnight that would slow down and I'd go through the process again. And that went on for days. And then what I did was, is I went on a, uh, as best as I could, a zero fat diet for the next six weeks and that had a significant impact on uh, on the pain level and managed and so that allowed me to get through until I had the surgery which was about seven weeks after after the problem started so the long and the short of it is that I was a uh, very very lucky individual in that because of the tumor being on the head is that I had symptoms before it had a chance to have any significant spread. And that's arguably why I'm here 10 years later having this conversation <laughs> with you. Well, I'm glad. And I'm glad they didn't wait and want to wait and see and what transcribes because sometimes that happens a lot, unfortunately. Exactly. Exactly. So your surgery, did you have the Whipple or what exactly was your surgery? I had a full Whipple. Rick Selby, who is practices both here at UCI and up at Keck USC, and this is part of my story, I wasn't sure how public to be about my cancer once I got officially diagnosed. And there was a lot of discussion between me and my wife, you know, who do we tell? And, you know, I'm a member of various communities. I was uh, involved in municipal government where I live. And, you know, of course, I work and there are other you know, civic and social organizations that I run around in. And, you know, we didn't know what to do. My daughter attended an Episcopal elementary school right after I got diagnosed. And we told her that dad was sick. Uh, they had a chapel and she brought up, oh, can we pray for my dad? And there were parents in there. And within about 10 minutes, everybody in school knew that there was a big issue and so we then decided to okay we're going to tell the world what's going on and what that allowed me to do is to uh, crowdsource both information and referrals so dr selby who ended up doing my surgery i was able to connect with him he did residency with another doctor who was a good friend of one of my daughter's elementary school uh, mm -hmm. classmates so we put the word out and she's like I'm gonna get on this and within a day I'd heard oh this is the guy he's done hundreds and hundreds of these things we're gonna get you in and see him 
And within a couple of days, I was in talking to him, and he's like, oh, yeah, I, I can handle this. We got this. We got this. No problem. <laughs> and a similar situation hand, uh, is what led me to my oncologist, Steve Foreman, over at, uh, at City of Hope. He actually, for a time, dated my best friend at work. Yeah. And when I got diagnosed, uh, my friend connected us, and he acted as a consultant to me. And I had actually made a decision to uh, undergo my uh, chemo treatment up at UCSF, up at their pancreatic center. Uh, I then talked to uh, Dr. Foreman at City of Hope, which is about seven miles from my house. And he said, we're going to take care of you down here. And thank God he did. So both my surgeon and my oncologist to this day were people that I connected with through friends. And it was a, a, a great benefit of being willing to discuss my situation uh, and be open about it with my friends and colleagues. Wow, so it's true sometimes it's not really so much what you know, maybe who you know. It's maybe some great connection. In my case, there's no question about it. It's, it was, you know, knowing, having a wide circle of people who just happen to know people, right? Yeah. My friend at work is a lawyer. And she was good friends and stayed in touch with a doctor who was, you know, one of the one of the really great, great people among many over at City of Hope as a result of these connections and the treatment and the care that I was able to receive. I believe that's why I'm here today. Yeah, the early detection, which is something that we're always trying to to knock into everybody's head that we really need to get. Absolutely. You said you had a full Whipple. Are you a diabetic? I am not. So I have about, I think, about 40% of my pancreas is still there. So they took out the head. So the tail where the insulin is produced is still there. I have had issues with rising sugar levels, but nothing in, in recent years. And I can't tell you why, uh, as uh, Dr. Foreman at City of Hope keeps pointing out, I know what you eat. And I'm really <laughs> shocked at uh, at how well everything looks. So I'm not diabetic. I do take Zenpep, which is a Creon equivalent. So I do take pancreatic enzymes and a number of um, vitamin and mineral supplements because of the duodenum being taken out and some of the other issues. But, you know, they took out part of my stomach and my duodenum and the gallbladder and they rebuilt the, uh, the pancreatic ducts and everything. And there have been a number of issues over the years. However, I'm up and walking around and uh, having a great time. Yeah, you're doing great. You're doing awesome. I mean, like I said, I see pictures of you all the time. You're out there fishing or going, traveling, doing something. Were you that active before the diagnosis or did that kind of come after? You know, getting news that you have pancreatic cancer is, is life altering, right? Yeah. And any type of cancer. You know, it may be, you know, a man getting a prostate cancer, which is, you know, unbelievably common or whatever. But when you hear you have cancer, that is a life altering moment. And that um, that rattles the, the head quite a bit. Uh, I had been uh, active in certain things, but I believe that I have probably stepped it up a little bit in the past decade. You know, knowing that that I am incredibly lucky this is overstating a little bit, but it's kind of, you know, you're looking death in the face, right? It, it is, it is your mortality is put is front and center and, and, and the possibility of passing away becomes very real. Uh, although I ignored it for a long time. And the fact that I can get up tomorrow morning and go out and 
play 18 holes of golf and carry my golf bag and this and that. I may not be able to do that in a year or five years or 10 years. I want to do that now. That is something that brings a great deal of, of joy to my life. Um, I just got back from a fly fishing trip with, with old friends of mine. So I get to spend time with them. I get to stand in a river and have trout you know, flip me the bird as I'm trying to catch them. It brings me great joy. And I put a great deal of effort into taking advantage of the things that I can do. So, uh, you know, these things are not, they're not expensive. Uh, they're not, um, uh, they're time consuming. But the benefits that you get out of them, whatever it may be in your life, whether it be gardening or playing golf or taking a hike or having lunch with your friend, all of these things are super important to do. That's why we're here. Yeah, and right? they become, I think, more important. I mean, we all know we're gonna we're we're gonna die someday. That's just you know the way it is, right? But when I think a doctor comes to you and says, especially you have pancreatic cancer, then it just really brings everything full forward very very quickly. Oh, indeed, yeah, immediately. <laughs> and uh, you realize the things that you've been waiting to do, you now decide you need to get. You know, them. it wasn't so much that as opposed to. I was 49 years old when I got diagnosed, so I was fairly young for a pancreatic cancer patient, but, you know, I'd been running around this planet for, you know, five decades at that point, and, you know, you start to feel life kind of building up on you. I've had orthopedic issues through my life. I've had other health issues, and, and you know, knowing that I may not be able to do this at some point down the road. I may not be able to climb that mountain to get up to that trout stream or whatever. At some point in my life, I want to take advantage of it now. And more importantly, so many things don't bring us joy, right? Mm -hmm. I'm very lucky in that I basically enjoy my job, but I consider myself a bit of an anomaly. I get up in the morning and I basically look forward to going to work. I don't think that applies to the majority of people, certainly some people. Um, so I'm super lucky there, and I'm super lucky that I have certain passions that, 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 that bring me joy. Sharing time with friends or you know, being out on the golf course or being down at the beach or whatever that thing may be. These are things for me. I want to take advantage of it. And it really brought it, it, that it brought it to bear. It really focused it for me when I got the diagnosis. So I lost a year um, with surgery, the recovery from surgery, six months of Fulfirinox chemotherapy treatments. And so I basically lost all of 2012 and as soon as I could, I started swinging my golf clubs again. And, you know, there's a lot of frustration. There's a lot <laughs> of pain. I'm not that good at it. But getting out there and doing it and uh, being out in the fresh air and the trees and the grass and the critters running around, absolutely the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, you don't have to be good at it. You just have to be out there and you have to enjoy it. And if that's what you're doing, that's great, right? I, I enjoy it. I curse a lot. I'll be perfectly honest <laughs> when I'm out there. But I get over that quickly. And every time I do it, I go, I can't wait to do that again. You mentioned your job, and we haven't really talked about what your career is. Can you just give us briefly a little bit? Well, I'm a, I am a spokesman for for a uh, federal government agency that I won't mention to, <laughs> so fine. they don't yell at me saying that I'm out talking about <laughs> representing them because I'm not representing them at this point in time. Uh, but for the past 25 years, I've been a spokesperson for a government agency in Los Angeles. And prior to that, I was a, uh, a reporter, uh, basically 
largely specializing in the courts. I covered legal issues and court cases and things like that. So uh, essentially, I've been involved with the media uh, for the past coming up on 35 years. You said you lost a year. Were you not able to work during that time? Work's a relative thing when you're recovering from, right. from cancer. So um, one of the benefits of working for a government agency is, uh, in many of them, is that you have a certain amount of flexibility. And in the uh, agency that I work at, it is, uh, you know, just a few hundred people. So it is more of a, you know, there are relationships that develop over the years. And it's sort of a, there's a certain family mm-hmm. feeling about it. So when I was sick, uh, the person that runs the agency called me in and said, okay, this is, this is a big deal. Go and take care of yourself. We will cover you. And your job will be here when you're done, whenever that may be. So, you know, that is one of the great things that, um, uh, and one of the very lucky things that I was able to take advantage of is that I didn't have to worry about that. Is that when I come back in six months or a year or two years or whatever it may be, uh, I, I have a place to come back to, and I can, if I can, can you know support my family through that. You know, related to that, um, uh, I'm very blessed in terms of the career that my wife has. She has fantastic benefits, and so we had very very good health care uh, insurance. So I didn't have to worry about uh, you know bankruptcy as a result of the medical bills that I racked up. And my medical bills that I racked up in one year were close to $1.5 million, right? A lot of money. And without uh, healthcare insurance, you know, like I I don't know where I'd be right now. And so having those great benefits, and and, you know, I hear these stories, I talk to people in the community all the time, they don't have good insurance or they have no insurance or whatever. And the level of stress that that brings and, 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 you know, panic and and it's just, it's terrible. People should not have to live like that. No, it's not. I mean, how can you put a price on your life? But when you're having to, to deal with the illness and work and family responsibilities, how do you balance everything? And then to have to worry about where's the money going to come from? Do I go to treatment? or do I put food on the table? Exactly, exactly. Or even, you know, after the fact, you know, people can't afford the Creon, you know, the pancreatic enzymes, you know, that's, I don't know, $1,000, $2,000 a month if you have to pay for it out of pocket. And yeah, and you're going to do that forever, mm-hmm. right? And that's just one of the little things you have to worry about. So I certainly hope that there's a day where everybody can get the treatment that they need and deserve and not have to worry about, you know, not being able to pay the bills as a result of it. It's horrible. Yeah, it's just an added stress that you don't need as a a cancer survivor patient. Exactly. So, you know, again, I was super lucky in that there were a number of stresses and I was able to focus on dealing with my illness and then dealing with the recovery after the fact. And I'm just, you know, I've recognized that I'm unique and extraordinarily blessed as a result of it. Well, you definitely are unique, and I think we are all blessed to have you around. So, oh, <laughs> really happy true. it worked out yeah, that way. Yeah. Did is there? Do you know? Is there? Was there any cancer in your family at all, or anything? No. No. There, there was no. T- to our knowledge, there is no cancer on either side of in either my maternal or paternal family lines. Um, I do have uh, uh, secondary relatives that are you know men that have had prostate cancer, mm-hmm. but. 
you know, my understanding is that every man, if they live long enough, will get prostate cancer. So uh, I don't consider that particularly noteworthy. But no, even with, you know, people who used to smoke and they smoked their whole lives, you know, back in the day and this and that, no cancer. So uh, where it came from, who knows? Um, I've had genetic testing. There are no identifiable genetic mutations linked to cancer in my in my genome. No idea. So, you know, it may be a result of my lifestyle. I did live a little fast when I was younger. <laughs> and uh, or maybe something in the environment. That's my personal belief yeah. is that we, you know, the rise in, in pancreatic cancer, you know, it's not just an issue of diagnosis and things like that. I have a suspicion, a strong suspicion that there was some sort of environmental thing out there, something in plastic or whatever it may be that is getting into people's system and and is causing it. And, you know, we'll figure that out someday. Hopefully that's this. When you were diagnosed, did you ever wonder, think, why me? No. No. Good. Thank you. No. No. (laughs) You know, look, it's certainly that's going to run through your mind. What did I do to deserve this? Well, as I said, I lived a little fast when I was younger, and I said, well, there, there may have been some things back in the day. I didn't deserve it. Nobody deserves this. No. And so the way that I approached it was, okay, I have a problem. So I got a stomach ache. I'm going to go to the doctor. Oh, okay, well, maybe it's a stomach, maybe it's my heart. I'm going to go to a different doctor. They say, oh, it's your pancreas. So then you go to a different doctor, and the different doctor says, I'm going to do this test. So that's negative. You need to, you know, and you sort of work your way through it. And I, quite frankly, approached it as a one, you know, it's a one step at a time. And when I talk to new patients, this is what I advise them to do is it's one step at a time. You need to get to the doctor tomorrow or the day after to deal with this test or this issue or this consultation and then move on from there don't look out down the road as to what may happen you've got a thing you need to deal with right now and i'm not exactly sure how this came to be for me but that's how i approached it it was one step one day at a time get through the situation and don't worry about what it's going to be down the road so we talked a minute ago about um, you know about death and, and and the imminent thing. Obviously, the statistics for pancreatic cancer are you know you get on the internet and it takes you about a half a second to realize wow those stats are pretty bad. I of course got on the internet like everybody else would and I said wow those stats are really bad. It never dawned on me until almost two years later. Wow, that could have been me. I could have been that stat, Mm -hmm. but I knew, I believed that I had a chance to to get through this. And so I'm going to do everything I can in the best way that I can to deal with the problem, to recover, to do the sensible thing, which for me was have a Whipple, recover from that, and to do the Fulfirinox treatment for six months, which, you know, was unpleasant, but (laughs) I got through it. And, you know, here we are today. Yeah, here we are today. And I really am thankful that you came and shared your journey. And I really want to have you come back because there's a lot more I really want to talk about. Be happy um, to. But it, it's, the time goes by so quickly. And um, at the end of each episode, we dedicate the show to somebody. And I did ask you if you had somebody you wanted to dedicate it to. So if you would like to go ahead and do that. So, now. you know, look, uh, I, I think you remember our friend Lupe Romero. Yes. Uh, Lupe was diagnosed the same month I was, I think about two weeks before I was. And so we shared that bond. 
Lupe passed away. I can't remember. It's been four years now, I think. I, I think it's been it. about four years since she passed away. And she was such a joyous, vibrant, full of life person. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I never want to forget about her. I know you won't, but she was such a presence in our community when we got together. It was so great to see her. I shared this bond with her that you know we started our journey together. We went through it for about six years together, and unfortunately, you know, it got her in the end. But she was such an inspiration to everybody. So. We'll, well think about Lupe and remember her as we move forward. Yes, thank you. That's very nice. And I do as well because she's my was my jump partner. So it was something oh, that's that right. we skydived together every year. So and which I said, not me. <laughs> that's okay. We're gonna, still going to have you come out and at least watch us. But, you know, thank you for coming and sharing your journey again. Like I said, I'd love to have you come back because there's a lot more I'd like to have you talk about and share with us. So sure. Thank you for coming down to you all the way from Pasadena. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have it. Some more amazing stories from a couple of survivors of this long journey. And if you're on the journey and need more information, like right now, we always give you this number, but there are many to call. Start with Pancreatic Cancer Action Network's patient services at 877-2, the number PANCAN, or P-A-N-C-A-N. That's 877-2-P-A-N-C-A-N. And if you have a story you'd like to share, we'd love to hear it. So please contact us here at the station because it's a weekly journey where we provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer. Paul Roberts and the OC Talk Radio Network, thanks for tuning in. Hope you'll share this with somebody and share a story today. Streaming live from our studio here at the University of California Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center.